Um, some of you guys just kind of came in the last few minutes, did a little bit of a welcome already, but uh, just to kind of catch you up, my name is Stephen Coppenrath. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, glad to have you here with us on our first Sunday at the King's Church. Um, hey, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about expectations a little bit. Um, I, I want to give you a little bit of a sense of what to expect each week. I think it's important for you as you maybe even consider uh, attending on a regular basis, or maybe you're just visiting this morning. That's fine. Great to have you as well. But it's, it's so important to talk about expectations when it comes to uh, the, the spiritual things of God, the things that we engage on Sunday mornings especially. And as I was thinking about expectations, one of the things that came to mind was actually the show that during COVID, my kids really started to enjoy a lot called Nailed It. Has anybody seen Nailed It before? Raise your hand if you nailed it. Okay, I'll tell you about it a little bit. Okay, so nailed it's basically the show where they bring all these kind of amateur bakers um, in, and it's like, hey, uh, here's kind of the picture of what you want. We want you to make as far as this this cake, and then afterwards, there's an opportunity, kind of this big un- unveiling, un reveal of what does it actually look like. So I want to give you some examples of as we consider that gap between what people expect and the end result. So a few examples. Uh, to start off with. So this is uh, the first kind of cake you see. It's a bit of a Christmas cake, right? Pretty nice. Um, and let's see the end result, what they came up with here. Okay. A little bit of a gap, right? All right. In fact, on, on the count of three, let's all say nailed it. One, two, three. Nailed it. All right. Next one. Let's see here. All right. So got a little pirate guy there. Um, uh, some kind of cake situation there. Let's see what they came up with at the end here. Okay. This is true, guys, all right? I found this on the internet. It's true for sure, okay? All right, on, on the count of three, everyone say nailed it. One, two, three, nailed it. All right, last one here. All right, okay, very, very nice-looking gnome situation. I don't know what this is. Uh, let's see what they came up with at the end here. Okay. That is rough, all right? That's rough. I'm not sure if that even deserves a nailed it, but, um, hey, there's a gap sometimes, right? There's a gap between what we can, uh, what we hope for, what we expect, and what reality is. And one of the things that, as I was thinking about, um, as we start this church, one of the things that I want to equip us with in many ways is to help you see um, wh- what can you actually expect from the King's Church? What can you expect as, uh, as you come each Sunday? For me as a pastor, what are the things that we're going to talk about? There are a lot of things that churches talk about especially over the last couple of years. There's a lot of things to discuss and consider and a lot of things that maybe are, are good and helpful and other times they're not really worth our time in some ways. Um, people at church get into psychology talks or maybe like untapped human potential or, you know, it kind of feels like a TED talk in some ways. And so what, what are the things that we're going to discuss each Sunday? What are the things that we're going to get into? And I can't think of any better place to point us this morning to the gospel. Uh, we, want, we want you to know right off the bat that we want to be united as a church around the good news of Jesus Christ. That's really our namesake in many ways, the good news of this, this king, the better and truer king who we, we worship together as Christians. And so um, we want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you have your phone, uh, go ahead and do that. Look at verses 1 through 5. Uh, and I want to especially look at 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, kind of in the middle of that. And I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet, actually. One of the things that we're going to do each weekend, uh, go ahead and stand. Thanks, guys. 
is um, as we read scripture, this may be new for some of you, but we're going to basically stand as a way of honoring God's word and saying God's word has authority over us. And that's one of the things that we're going to do each week as we read scripture. So sometimes it'll be short like this in 1 Corinthians 2. Other times it'll be a little longer. But um, this is what Paul says to the church in Corinth um, in 1 Corinthians 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is God's word. You guys can have a seat. So expectations. What are our hopes? What are the things that we're aiming for? What are the things that we are shooting for here at the King's Church? Uh, we want to learn from Scripture. We want to inspire, be inspired to, to live better lives, to, to live lives that are, are kind of worthy of our family and the jobs that we have. Uh, we want to absolutely become more equipped as better parents and employees and employers. There's lots of things that that church and scripture helps us do. But one of the things that you can expect each week here, uh, you just heard it in 1 Corinthians 2, is you're going to hear each Sunday about Jesus and the gospel. That's what I'm going to point you to. That's really all I have. I'm a one-trick pony in that way. And I want you guys to know that right off the bat because if you're coming and expecting and hoping for something else, you might be disappointed. But if you really stay and lean in, you won't be because we'll find out and we'll see that, that Jesus has done so much uh, through his life and, and work on the cross for us. And I just want to challenge you guys too. Some of you guys are Christians and you've been Christians for a long time. And you may feel a little bit like, like really? We're going to talk about the gospel? Like that's, that's kind of the things to consider each week. And I just want to say out loud that these are the deep things of God. That, that as we dive into scripture each week and talk about the good news of Jesus, these are the deep things that we want to consider and ruminate on and, and pray, prayerfully just think about how our lives match up with the implications of the gospel. And anything sprinkled on top of it, especially in regards to human wisdom, in regards to kind of the way that I say things, it's fraudulent. Now, that doesn't mean that the good news of Jesus is not mutually exclusive to, to growing as a person. We still want to become better, you know, parents and, and, uh, and kids and, and employers and employees. We want to live better lives when it comes to our parenting. But when we set out from day one to add to the gospel, that's when we're in, in bad shape. And so we want to start with kind of the most important thing on day one to set that tone. Um, I tried to find examples on social media of human wisdom. But um, there's, well, either there's just so much out there or it's, it's not really wisdom in many ways. Um, it's kind of this overwhelming, like, hodgepodge of just, like, stuff. Sometimes on Instagram you can find things that are really inspirational and helpful. Other times, not so much. And so instead, I just want to hyper-focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to create taste buds and a desire for you as a new church, as, as, as a new church, that everything else would just seem tasteless in comparison. So the, the church in Corinth, if you know anything about Paul's missionary journeys, what, what he's doing here is he's not, he's not um, rebuking the Corinthians necessarily. They haven't, like, changed their doctrinal statement. They haven't said, okay, we believe this now instead. The Corinthians had simply kind of, like, drifted off base in many ways. 
And so as we consider uh, why Paul is, is talking about this, it's not because they've completely changed their ways. They started to trust in their impressiveness instead of the gospel itself. And so this is a cautionary tale for us too. Um, uh, our greatest danger as a new church is sometimes not the obvious ones. Our greatest danger is not necessarily, you know, uh, like pluralism or the political left or right or atheism. It's when we add anything to the good news of Jesus. That's our greatest danger as a new church. And so we want to plant our flag on day one and build our house on, on a firm foundation. Um, the past couple of years, I've actually had an opportunity to kind of meet some people from Florida. Is anybody from Florida here this morning? Curious? Oh, hey, Jesse, what's up, man? So... As Californians, as Californians, we have this, I feel like, interesting news relationship with Florida. And what I found out in Florida is they have the same thing about us in California. So we would, we would swap stories, my friends and I from Florida. And it's like, oh, yeah, you guys have hurricanes. And they'd be like, well, you guys have, like, earthquakes. That really is not good. And, I'm, and I'd be like, well, and you guys have, like, uh, you know, alligators that just kind of, like, walk up to your house and stuff. They're like, well, you guys have, like, fire season. Like, the whole, there's a whole season where just, like, the California is on fire, right? Uh, and I, I came back to the, at them, and I'm like, you guys have sinkholes. And I remember the first time that I heard about a sinkhole. It amazed me. It was terrifying the fact that, that a piece of land with, like, a building on it and cars and where people live could just kind of, like, empty out, and all of a sudden just, like, there's a hole there and swallow up everything on, on top. That was, that's crazy, right? That's like something in like a kid's book or something like that. And I, I just wanna, I want you guys to see that, look, we can, we can also um, build our, our homes on a shaky foundation. We can also think of, you know, hey, we're going to adorn the gospel, but adorn it in a way with our human wisdom. So we can live in this house. We can sleep there, be safe at night. We can even put like nice sayings that, that Jesus Christ himself set on the walls along with our like, gather signs, right? But also like those signs as well. And we can do that, and at any point, we can have the rug pulled from under us, just like that sinkhole, if we don't hyper-focus on the gospel. So this danger for the Corinthians uh, of building their, their faith and their doctrine on shaky ground is something that we are in danger of as well. And so Paul was committed. He was committed that like, nothing else is going to uh, pull me away from, from Christ crucified. And it's interesting that Paul is like that because he was, he was most qualified out of everybody. Paul was educated like crazy. He could preach the gospel in three different languages. He could uh, go over here and talk with the Jews about their traditions. He could go over here and talk about, with the Greeks about their philosophies. He could kind of hang uh, in both camps. And he downplays his ability. He downplays his, his own wisdom because uh, look at verse 5. Why, why does he do this in uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5? So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And, and listen, guys, this is in many ways the most important message of the gospel. If you think of the gospel as good news, this is like the goodest of the good news, right? That, that because of, of Christ and him crucified, we, we have our own faith that, that is empowered by God, not by our own human wisdom, but by God's own spirit. Uh, it's kind of like someone saying, hey, I got you tickets to, I don't know, the Dodger game or something like that. Hey, that's great news. That's the free tickets to the baseball game. Not only that, I got you box seats. That's, 
That's awesome. That's great. Not only that, there's all you can eat sushi also at this box. So it's like it just keeps getting better. And this is how the gospel is in regards to when Paul's talking about this in 1 Corinthians 2. He's saying, look, not only does Jesus want a relationship with you, not only does God want to save you, but he's going to be the one who does all the work on your behalf. That is like the goodest, if that's a word, the goodest of a good, like good news that he offers us. So it is it is the power of God, not the cleverness of Paul. So the rest of the time, I just want to share, how do we stay, stay there in that pocket, understanding that this is the important stuff? Um, I, I just want to say two things about this. How do we stay there? How do we stay faithful to the gospel? Because it's our default to stray into human wisdom, and verse 2 shows us how to be faithful. And we see in verse 2 that number one, I want you to understand, is that at the King's Church, Jesus will have no rivals. Jesus will have no rivals. When it comes to Jesus Christ, there is no competition. Paul says, for I decided to know nothing among you. Nothing will come close except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you may be tracking and you may kind of start to realize there's this kind of dichotomy of like, I'm saying Jesus is important and more important than the things of this world. Okay, Stephen, I've heard that story before. I've heard that sermon before. I got that covered. I understand. But what about the good things of this world? Sometimes we kind of compare it to like, you know, drugs and alcohol and all the things that are enticing about sin. Well, what about the good things like, like family and, and good food and good drink and, and working hard and having, you know, kind of this family culture that's awesome. What about even that? What about even other theological things that may come into play? And it may, uh, it may surprise you, but Paul actually had a lot of opinions about secondary theological issues that he consistently doesn't bring up because it might distract from the primacy of the gospel. This is kind of what Paul does consistently. And he's, he, look, he's got, he's got this huge gap between, look, I care about these secondary, these tertiary, kind of third importance things. But the primary thing that I'm going to preach is Jesus Christ crucified. That's always going to be home base. And he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus. It's like this willful overemphasis that Paul does. And so that sounds good on Sunday morning, but, like, it's like, really, is that really how we're supposed to live our life? Like, that seems so out of touch in, in many ways. Uh, I can almost imagine someone saying, like, hey, Paul, like, come here, Paul. It's just me and you here. Let me pick your brain. Like, when it comes to creation, I really need to know, is, is each day an actual 24 hours, or did God use some type of, like, like uh, evolution to make this all happen? I, I just really need to know. And... And Paul would say, look, Jesus Christ is remaking the whole world through the cross. And so keep your eyes fixed on him. Just absolute focus on Jesus Christ crucified. Someone else might say, hey, hey Paul, the new emperor seems more favorable to our cause. Uh, this is important, right? We need to know how should we engage with this government. And, and he, Paul would say, hey, look, our citizenship is in heaven. Then there awaits a savior. Hey, hey, Paul, it's just us around. I just, just kind of, just tell me, Democrat or Republican, right? Well, since it's just us around, come closer. And Paul would say the increase of his government, there is no end. And so there's this focus that Paul would continue to point us towards the primacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do as well. Now, listen, I realize that may sound out of touch to some of you. That may seem like it's like, really, Stephen, just go up to the, you know, Mount Baldy and live in a cave if you want to live that way, I guess. Um, well, what about, what about public engagement? What about cultural engagement? 
What about being relevant in the public square? And listen, I would say that as Christians, we must be engaged in the public square. We have to be engaged. We would be disobedient to the Great Commission if that was not the case. And so it's not a, a either-or situation. It's not saying, hey, we're not going to engage publicly. We're not going to engage culturally. It's that we would do so with the right priorities in mind. It's saying this is the most important thing of all things. And so we must engage our neighbors. We must show up in the city of Ontario for Ontario. We must be present in our, our communities. But we do so with this willful uh, overemphasis and saying, look, we may have other thoughts about what's important, but what is most important is Jesus Christ and crucified. And um, it was clear. It wasn't Paul's ministry in the same way that it's, it's not my pulpit, it's not my church, it's not our church. This is all about Jesus. And that's what I want you to hear this, this first week. And this is my hope for us moving forward that as I, as I preach week after week, as I kind of get in the habit of doing this on Sunday mornings, and that there would be spiritual fruit that would actually happen uh, to and with people in this room. There would be growth that would happen because of the preaching that happens here. And then you would look back and be like, well, that, that guy isn't that great. He's not that great of a preacher. He's kind of, he's kind of plain, right? Like he's, he's not that, that dynamic in many ways. And you would start to realize and remember this first day that that's because we, we want to hyper-focus on the message and not how we get the message out. And the whole point is to allow people to know about Jesus. And the world may accuse us of narrow-mindedness, but we don't care, right? There will be no rivals when it comes to Jesus Christ. Number two is this. Um, how do we stay faithful to the gospel? Never forget the cross. Number two, never forget the cross. Uh, Paul says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul talks about resurrection in other places. Paul talks about other important spiritual dynamics. He talks about, talks about the way Jesus lived and the way he treated you know, the poor. And there's lots of important things that Jesus did for sure. But Paul decides here in 1 Corinthians 2 to emphasize Christ crucified. Now, why is that? I share your question. I share your question. Like, why, why the overemphasis on Christ crucified? Because the resurrection is important. The resurrection is part of the gospel, and that's something that we also need to know as Christians for sure, right? If you uh, read through Romans 6, 5 through 6, uh, look on the screen here, Romans 6, uh, Paul says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Next slide. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So Paul says, if we're united in, in, in Christ's death, how much more are we united in his life? So yes, we are for talking about the resurrection. But for some reason, Paul decides to speak specifically about Jesus Christ and him being crucified. And so it's a both-and situation. And it's something that I want to remind us of today. Because of what we see here in verse 2 is the present participle in verse 2. Meaning that Paul describes Jesus being crucified as if it's still happening. 
It's still happening today. Uh, he's not appealing to Jesus and the work of the cross in past tense. He's saying that he is being crucified, almost like it's happening at this moment. Now, this could get dark in some ways in regards to, it's not like Jesus is, being, is suffering and being tortured still at this moment. But the work that he accomplished on the cross is still impacting us every day. Meaning that when you and I sin, when, there is, when there's uh, an error in our life spiritually, when there's separation from us and God, Jesus steps in in that moment presently and says, my work on the cross paid the price. And that is why it's so important to remember the cross and Jesus Christ crucified. And Paul doesn't describe Jesus being crucified as this minor detail. Do you notice this? He, he says it as if it's kind of the headline. He says, I'll know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's not like, by the way, he was crucified. By the way, once upon a time, he had a little scuffle with the Romans, right? That, that's not what we read here. It's the main headline. Um, I, I, uh, I remember the first time that I discovered Wikipedia. Um, I probably didn't sleep well for a week. There was so, so much out there, right? Like so many interesting things to learn, and they were all like true, right? Because they were on the internet, and like there were things that I was just kind of curious about. And so I just found myself going down wormholes, and maybe you guys remember that too, maybe about YouTube or just about, you know, search engine in general. And one of the things that I, I remember about Wikipedia was looking at presidents. I've always liked U.S. history, and so uh, George Bush Jr., who was the 42nd uh, president, or 43rd president of the United States, um, did you know that George Bush Jr., he went to Yale, right? That's pretty amazing. Um, and he also played rugby while he was there. Interesting, right? So played rugby at Yale. And um, look, he probably spent a lot of time playing rugby. He probably spent a lot of time practicing and kind of made that happen over, over time. But one of the things that's interesting is if you kind of zoom out on his page, it doesn't start off with, like, George Bush Jr., former rugby player at Yale, right? Like, that's not, like, the main headline. And so no matter how many, you know, paintings he does in his garden or no matter how much, you know, all the things he's involved in now or what he did beforehand, George Bush Jr. will always be known as the 43rd president of the United States. And this is exactly what Paul does here in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, Jesus Christ and his primary identifying event, life, big event in his life was that he was crucified. It was a life-defining event. And it wasn't just something that happened to him in a passive way. It was who defines him as a person. And, and, and that's why we have to remember the cross. The cross is how we say to all who mourn that Jesus loves you and he identifies with your pain. The cross is, is how we say when people pass away and they have no hope and they grieve, that we remember as believers that there's an empty, empty grave and there's victory because of the cross. Our worship is driven by the cross. We didn't deserve it, and yet we still receive it. And so we see how sufficient the gospel is. And so this is kind of how I started. I said, hey, what can you expect from the King's Church on a Sunday? I just want you to see why the gospel, it, it's, so, it's so beautiful if you look at it at all the angles. And you realize, like, what else is there to talk about? What, what else is there to really discuss? And you see for a guy like Paul who was so bright, and so clever, and such a strong preacher, and such a smart guy, why he willfully decided, I'm going to preach nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. The, the power of the cross is something that I hope still impacts you today, Christian. Uh, the power of the cross is something that I hope 
is impacting you still if you are far from the Lord. I remember the first time um, hearing about the gospel, hearing about the cross and the, and the power of it. Um, my, my parents, actually, who are here today, Pete and Vito, would you raise your hands? Just want to honor them. Thank you for being here, guys. Um, I praise God for my parents. They set me on a path to hear the gospel, to be exposed to, to good Christian friends, to know uh, what it means to, to follow the Lord, and I'm grateful for that. I remember there's also other people in my life who at certain points kind of dropped in um, moments of kind of gospel clarity in, in a way. Um, in seventh grade, I went to this, this youth camp, and I met this guy named Lance. He was my camp counselor. And Lance had kind of shaggy blonde hair. He had one of those kind of like uh, surf ponchos, and he talked really slow, a lot slower than I do. And, and Lance was one of these guys who, um, you know, he was probably a college student. He probably didn't know actually much about life. He was probably trying to sort things out in many ways. But I remember a couple nights in a row at that youth camp hearing about how his perspective of how Christ crucified and the power of the cross and how it paid for his sin and how it paid for my sin. And, like, that had this, like, amazing impact on me that I still remember today. I still remember the power of Christ crucified and how that's all I needed. And, and look, I've, I've learned a lot more stuff since then, but I, I pray that I never graduate from, from understanding the power of the cross. And I, I pray that's the same for you. May we never grow beyond Christ crucified. May we never see that as kind of beginner stuff. Uh, may we always um, embrace it and, and share that news in a way that would make Jesus big. So let's determine that by God's grace here on Sunday mornings that Jesus wins every time, that, that there would be no rival or equal, and that we would never forget the cross. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this time that we've had this morning. I'm just I'm grateful for uh, this time to gather and uh, to see your goodness on display. Lord, every person in this room, every person on the campus, every child in a kid's room right now, Lord, um, is just living evidence of your grace to us. Um, God, thank you for paving the way for this church to start this morning. And God, I pray that as we get started, that we would embrace the most important things um, first, Lord. That we would remember who you are, Lord. Um, how you love us, and, and how you call us to live as a result. God, would you help us see the gospel as not something that um, is for kindergartners spiritually or for, for those who are new believers, Lord, but that we would continue to embrace the good news of your son, Jesus. Praise your name. Amen.